Well, hello, everybody. I will say uh, bonjour tout le monde. Um, today, my guest is Agnes. Agnes and I have met recently, and um, she is here to talk about healing with me on Le Cadeau podcast. Merci, Agnes. Thank you. Bonjour, Becca. Bonjour tout le monde. C'est un plaisir. My pleasure. So, I uh, think one of the hardest things we're going to have to do is to stay in one language. <laughs> okay. But what we'll do try, you want? We'll um, try uh, to stay in English because most of you get that. But if we slip into French, we'll try to remind each other to go there. Okay. Uh, where do you come from? Uh, I come from France, um, a little town named Francheville, which is like 20 miles from Lyon. And so you come from the country? Yes, I come from the country. And I come from a little town named Scott. It's <laughs> kind of in the country. <laughs> so uh, since I've met you, uh, I feel we've had a lot in common. Little town, country, towns, southern towns. Yes, so. we do. <laughs> we do. Um, and what brought you to the country here? What brought you to the U.S.? Oh, it's a long story. We won't have time for, for <laughs> it today. But uh, I met a um, wonderful Cajun guy, and I'm still a friend with him, and I really, really love him. Um, and when I met him, I fell in love with um, the way he was speaking, the way he was playing music. He was a Cajun fiddler. Um, and when I, uh, I met him in France... Um, in my um, sister's restaurant called the Blue Bayou. It was a Cajun specialty restaurant, the only one in, in Lyon. And now it's closed because they retired. And um, Kevin was playing uh, fiddle. He was with his band. He was uh, touring uh, France and um, England. And we kept in contact And the following year and um, I came to Louisiana for the first time. And it was my first time in United States. Wow. So. so when you came here, did you did you work here or did you just be a married lady? No, when I came here, I was a tourist. Okay. I came here as a tourist and I was like, wow, I want to live here. <laughs> I came here the first time for Festival Acadia. Oh, wow. And I remember it was still at the beginning of September. It was so hot uh, and we don't have that hot weather like this in, in France. And and people were dancing, having a good time and cheering up. And it, it was just wonderful. So um, I stayed almost three weeks when I came. We have a, a lot of um, vacation in France. So um, I was working in hospital and, and Kevin was working in hospital. So um, I was having six weeks vacation, so I came for three weeks, and in three weeks I had enough time to see um, Louisiana, mm -hmm. uh, was visiting everywhere, um, meeting people on the street, people are making eye contact with you, are smiling at you. I felt I was in another planet, so... So you Not only I fell in love with the man, I fell in love with the music, but with the people. So exactly. that was it. That's why I'm still here today. Wow. <laughs> but after you were here a while, you taught school. Yes. Okay. After I, uh, well, I wasn't a certified uh, teacher, so I went back to school. I, um, I enrolled and I, I became a substitute teacher. And, uh, well, me and uh, Kevin got married in Scott. 
Oh, and I remember the justice <laughs> of peace was in um, was living on the street of Rendezvous Street, so it was a sign, you know. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it was funny. So, um, and uh, I became a teacher, and I fell in love with teaching. So there is a lot of love in my story. That's wonderful. And I am from Scott, so I like to think that I never thought of Scott as a city of love, but maybe. Paris has nothing over Scott. I don't know. <laughs> yes, so, um, you know, the whole thing, uh, the podcast is called Le Cadeau. And that is the word for the gift. In French, it means the gift. And, and basically, I bring people here to speak of the gift of healing. And healing can't be relegated to any one thing. Because I think all our choices either help us to become healed and healthier or not. So um, what we perceive and what we choose, healing is just a broad subject. But but here they they have um, people, and my grandfather was the one, he was a traiteur. Quoi ça veut dire en français, traiteur? Traiteur en français, literally the word traiteur, means somebody who's doing gathering. Catering. Catering, exactly. Catering. So we, we in Acadiana use the word traiteur to mean someone who treats. But in France, that actually means a caterer, like a cook, I guess. Everybody yes. over here uh-huh. can cook. So we don't need a traiteur. <laughs> we, in we, fact, it's somebody who delivers the food at, at your house, a caterer. Wow. Right, yeah. a caterer. Yeah. So what do they have that in France? Do they have something like a healer that we call a traiteur? Now that you've been here, you understand what a traiteur is? Yes, I do. Is there an equivalent or something like that in France? Yes, we, we call it the guérisseur. Um, but you see, I'm from, I'm from the country. And the guérisseur, I don't think we have many now, mm-hmm. especially in big cities. But where I come from, I do remember that my parents was using the guérisseur often. Right. My dad um, used to ne- never go see a doctor. I don't even remember when he, he saw a doctor in his life. I think right. when he, my dad passed away in 1995, so um, he had to go to the hospital and it was pretty hard for him. He right. thought that... that Doctors were, I don't know why, were like devils, you know. He didn't right, like he the did doctors. not trust them. No, but he right. was he was trusting uh, the guérisseur. Uh, right. And my mom as well. There's, there's, there's a group of people that came here one year, I forgot what festival, and one of them stayed home at my house with the children. Um, because when festivals happen and when, they're, when they were begun we would house these people. And he was a raboteur. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. What is that? What is that? They have that in France. Quoi ça un raboteur? Yeah. Raboteur, la différence, the difference with guérisseur. Raboteur, I saw, I, I saw one when I was young, when I, I um, had a problem with my wrist. I, um, je connais le, le nom en français. Tu peux le dire en français. Fouler she, le poignet. Tu she had twisted. sprained her wrist. Sprain. Yeah. Oui, Becca comprend bien mon français. <laughs> On se comprend parfaitement bien. Okay. Um, we understand each other very well. So, 
Uh, my mom, instead of calling the doctor, brought me to the hospital. She brought me to the rabouteur. And it just, you know, he was asking my my family, either my dad or my, my mom, to get my attention while he was twisting my my wrist. Or, and so I, I remember I went to, to see the rabouteur more than once. Each time you had a problem, you don't spend money to go to the doctor, and they don't believe in it anyway. So. In the United States... There is a kind of a trend that people are looking to the old ways of healing. But when I was a child, you you didn't look for that. You were looking for modern things, and you're looking to go to the hospital, and you're looking for the, the newest drugs. And as I have spoken with people from France over the years, there's not a lot of people there that know anything about healing in France. And then when they do, they say, well, that exists, but it's probably just in the country. Mm-hmm. And like in southern France, in the country, more so than any other place, I get referred to that like it is less. And it's not less, but we have that same thing here. So can you um, anyway say anything about that? Maybe they're starting to look for that more than when we were growing up? Are people starting to look for healers in France now? Um, what do you mean by less than? Like, like you want comparing people from the south of France compared to the, the people from Paris or the north of well, France? They w- you, you wouldn't find this in the cities with the modern people. Yes, it's true. You would find it in the country, in the places where we would call ourselves maybe something like Guigui or, or de la Campagne, just de la Campagne. So yeah. there was sort of a look down your nose at these people that might do these old-fashioned things. But now... That whole table has turned, and now people are looking for that. I have a whole podcast about healing because people need healing. And and so is there something similar in France? Are people starting to look for these healers now, or what do you think? Um, I left France 16 years ago, so I'm, I, I can only tell you uh, what I know from um, almost two decades ago. I don't think that people are looking for it now. We live in, because France be, became, and we are, they are not at the level of United States, but um, people become addicted to doctors, or I guess and they, they, they have drugs, you know, they have medication, and so it's like they are in a vicious loop. And I don't think they know that some of, of these healers are, um, um, do exist. Um, exactly. So once they know, I think they would they would love to reach out for them. I know that my my mom still rely on them, but it's too difficult to find some now. Right, and then it it's a very it's a it's a humble thing to be able to be there for other people. How when your mom still knows these traitors, but if I moved to Lyon tomorrow next to your mom, I wouldn't know them. How do you find a, 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 a healer in France? Well, and also, uh, okay, maybe it's going to be a little bit complicated what I'm going to say, but um, healers were the guérisseur. They were they belong to your community. So exactly. my mom would have never gone to Lyon to a healer in Lyon. She would say, even if it was twenty miles away, it's like 
here, the Cajun people from Eunice will uh, not go to new roads because they will say, okay, the Cajun over there are not the same Cajun that, <laughs> you know. No, uh, but I understand. But if I moved to your mama's town and I didn't know who were the healers, how would I find one? I don't think you could. Exactly. I don't think you could. Yeah, you, know, you if you if you move, I don't think you can now. Uh, except that we have some of um, we have more African who are coming um, uh, to to France. So they, they they talk about healing because in Africa they are using a lot of the healing um, process with um, different different things that we do because it involves more. Um, uh, superpower and um, animals and rituals and more more than what the, the French were doing uh, was doing but um, I don't think you, you can find any in France why not I, I don't think you see it's the same here and and I have a lot of uh, thoughts and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do if anything I, I know I have to share about healing because I've been doing it for a long time, okay? So I, I get that. But I don't know, and I also understand that healing does not happen in a vacuum. It does happen in a community. And the community, like, okay, I said I'm from Scott, I'm from Scott. And so when I was little and I used to go to church on Sunday, we knew everybody in church. And we knew where everybody sat. And we always sat on St. Joseph's side. And then my grandma always sat on the side of the Blessed Virgin Mary, but further up than us. And I can tell you where the different families sat. And and it comes from when we bought our own pews, but it was like that. So we we knew everybody. So I had a a heat stroke once, and Mama said she was going to call her daddy to come and treat me. I didn't know if he was going to treat me good or treat me bad or buy me a treat. Because <laughs> even if he was my grandpa, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so nobody knew, not because it was a secret, because you just didn't call unless you needed. And so today, people don't know. Yes, and exactly. People don't know. And I think if they will knew, because in your... When, when you choose a healer in your community, you choose him because he's close to you, because he represents your community, what exactly. you like, the people you know. So he comes also from within. You need to make the effort to believe in it. You cannot go, like you were saying, you arrive in Lyon and you look for a guérisseur. I don't think it will work anyway. No. Because it's, the healing process is, is a part of giving and take. Right. It's like when you go, why not? I hate going to the doctor because I feel like, why not? The new, the new kind of medicine that we have, everything is computerized. So when you arrive in front of your doctor, oftentimes he's in front of the laptop and reading the notes that the nurse has um, taken from you. And he's looking for the next medication he's going to give you. And yeah. uh, I, and I, I think that doctors should go back to nature because the the healing process is comes from nature, and if they are not able to go back to nature, and and make that connection, 
I, I don't I, I don't have a good relationship with a physician most of the time. Right, but <laughs> the the whole role of the physician has changed. Because when I was little, I lived on one side of the church and the doctor lived on the other side of the church in Scott, okay? He was our neighbor. He made house calls. He was a part of the community, all right? And now doctors are not necessarily a part of anybody's community, and they don't make house calls. And so, again, I think one of the things that we see that's blocking is the community's changed. So how do we get community today? Because we need doctors. My doctor is my friend. My my oncologist retired. <laughs> I hope I never need my new one, but I have him and I go see him regularly. And so when I need medicine, when I need surgery, if ever I break something, we need doctors. But there's this whole other thing that we can bring into our health care today if we can just find them. And so I'm also wondering if, if in France what could happen to get the healers more available to the people. And would people want to go after they've been, after, since the doctors don't make house calls and they're on computers, would those people who have been brought up in our lifetimes, would they want to go see a healer even if they knew? Um, I think in, in France we don't need as, many, as much the healers, the guérisseurs, mm -hmm. as we do here. We still have a pretty good... Um, a support a support system, uh -huh. uh, especially in a country where there are still some some physicians who are making house call. Wow. Um, now, if you live in a city, it's another story. But um, if it's an emergency and you call nine one one, your doctor's gonna be there. Right. And when you go see the doctor in France, you are in contact with the doctor right away. He's not going to look at the computer. He's going to look at, at you. He's going to touch you. And the part of touching is a part of healing. And, it is. And now, that's why I say that we need healers more here in the United States for two reasons. Because we, we lack of, of touch. And touch is part of the five senses who are really important. Um, and... The second reason is because there is so many people who don't have insurance. They cannot afford to go, go see doctors. This is true. So then we need needles. And, you know, when you say touch is important, when I was a child, my grandma was in the hospital. She, she broke her elbow and she was in traction for like five weeks. And we would take turns staying with her. The grandchildren would, we could, and because we didn't want to leave her alone. And every day she got a back rub. And a back rub was something that the nurses did with every patient on every floor every day. Wow. That doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, and nurses are trained to do things, but they're no longer trained in touching. That's not a part of, that's not a part of, they don't have time for that. You know, so it's about re revamping and and where could that come from? Because basically we are touch deprived in this country. That's why pets are brought in. Of because course. it's helpful. 
-hmm. It's really helpful. And I also think that um, we just need to look at things differently. I mean, we can accept everything that medicine has to offer, but what else can we bring to that? When my children were little, I read this book by someone named Ashley Montague, and it was called Touching. And he was an anthropologist. Lord, I never knew I'd get a degree in anthropology later on. But it was all about touch and skin and how important it is. And that's that's not a part of our culture. Rocking babies. When you mm-hmm. get sick, you have exactly 2.5 days to stay in this hospital when you have this procedure. No matter what happens. And so what, what else can we bring to our own lives um, that can enhance or expand what we see in medicine without making medicine seem like our enemy because, like, it's not. Yeah, I do, I do believe that we need to bring some healing, any type of, of healing, um, a different form of um, doctors. Because I will say that a person can be a doctor without a PhD. If you have essential oils, if you have the touch, if you uh, know some, um, you train in Reiki techniques or yoga techniques, and uh, you will suddenly accomplish more than a doctor. You're going to see five minutes and, and pay 50 or $60 right. if you are lucky because if you have an insurance. Uh, so I, I think, Gary Sir should be, should be should be part of our uh, daily life. Now. Yeah, I think healers should be a part of our daily lives, and I think they are for people who know they exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that through yoga and through these different kinds of healing techniques, and you even see the word healing used when they advertise for hospitals now. Yes. You know, so the concept is alive and well. Also. How do you think growing up in the country was an advantage to growing up in the city? Because we talked about being from the country, and we're country girls because we grew up there. Um, There's also how we're being raised apart from nature. So can you talk about when you were a child, how were you raised? What was your country like? Well, my parents um, had a farm, but when I... And I turned four, four, five. They had to move from uh, the farm, so we we lived in a in a new house where they kept some animals. And my my dad and my mom kept working in the farm, so I followed them, and I I was in contact with animals all my life. So that's why I became a, an animal advocate and still <laughs> a volunteer for an animal group. Um, but it was very, I learned a lot from the elders at, at any farms where we were working. Um, because you learn that you you get the milk from the cow, you get the milk from the goat, the cheese. And um, you have people who explain to you um, uh, the live, uh, live culture. Mm-hmm. That, that culture, that yeah. you know, the cultured milk and how oh, it's good for your for your health, and you grow up with all this and, and this important information that you carry all along. Um, 
so I think it's it was important for this and important also because when you take care of the animals, it's a way of taking care of yourself. That's so true. You know, so. and you, we don't think of it that way, but it is true because because they can't they need what we have to give them in so many ways. And as you nurture anyone else, it's also it becomes self nurturing because yes. you're just caring. Like that's why we cook. We must care more than any other culture because we cook so much and we cook so good, but it's nurturing. Yes. It really is. So when I was little, um, I lived in, in the town of Scott, but my grandparents had a farm in the country and we would go there every weekend. And so in some ways I had the best of both worlds because I could walk to school and walk to church and walk to the store. But then when we went to the country, we could ride the horse and pick the eggs, and every time a calf was born, good mom would say, oh, that one is yours, and if my other cousin was there, it would be there, so we all believed we each owned the newest calf, and there was something that being in the expansiveness of the country where you were outside more than inside, that, that was so freeing. You know what I'm saying? It yes, yes, I, I, I do, I do agree. It's really important to be close with nature, and the fact that you're in a country, you're close with nature, you're close with animals, um, and you, compared to um, living in a city where everything is superficial. Mm-hmm. In a country, it's it's not that superficial. You are with the real deal when I say real deal this is an example um, I think farmers can be really tough my dad was tough oh yeah and when an animal was sick or, or something or an animal was uh, a dog who, who ate we were having rabbits so a dog who ate one rabbit my dad would have killed the dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, you know, because he relied on the meat to put food on, the st- on his table, he relied on the, his veggies. So if any kind of wildlife was destroying his, his crops, he, he didn't, you know, he shoot them. So um, I think we, we both uh, were raised tough. And it's, it's a good thing. It's I- important because you, you need to develop um, tough skin to be able to stand up in life. I think so, but I didn't have a country to bring my children to. My my grandfather died in the 60s, so the children, I would bring them to go ride the horse with my cousin, JL, so so they could at least ride horses. And, and, and we'd go to the farm maybe like for an Easter egg hunt or something because my cousin still had the, the, the property. Um, so... And I don't have an answer to the questions that I ask. I'm really just wondering. So how do we get children to go to the country? How do, how do we provide what was so vital to us? Today, I, I live in my parents' home in Scotland. I have a nice yard, so at least I'm not in an apartment. But is there a way to, to gift to the children what was so important to me? And for what do we do with the city children? 
Because it's, it's a good question. I think it's a, it's a too the the question is too broad. Right. So it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult to uh, answer to that question. And what I can say, uh, yes, they do need to uh, immerse themselves in in the country time to time. I, I, I taught uh, elementary grades and uh, high school. And I can I can say that that the kids now they don't know. They 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 use they used to eat like you were talking earlier about um, how, how the the kids in the city uh, compared to the to, to the country they they have to eat a fast food. And most of the kids right now, even though we are, I was teaching in Port Barry, which is a country, but they, they still teach, they still eat in fast food. Most of them, when I ask them questions or I incorporate in my daily lesson about bringing fresh food and doing a market, they don't understand what a market is. They don't understand we have open market in France and. Why why you have open market? Well, you buy fresh food. Well, you can find it in, in at Walmart. Well, we don't have big Walmart. Oh, so what what you do? You poor. <laughs> right. So they, they they don't they don't understand. And uh, so the, most of them they they don't they don't eat at the table. They so it's a whole culture that you have to completely change and. Uh, people are working two jobs, and so they they, they just don't have time to, uh, um, you know, give everything to 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 their children. Where uh, as far as uh, teaching them uh, what are what nature is is about, and uh, right. teaching them how to cook and use fresh food, and and plus it's too difficult to find fresh food. I live in Appaloosas and we have a market. We have an outdoor market uh, three times a week, only a couple of hours, but you have to get up early in the morning. Right. And I always talk about about it to, to my students and they don't even know. And some of them were living right there in Appaloosas and they are not aware of it. Yeah. So I think it's a community, uh, maybe, yeah, a community uh Thing that we we should get the community together and create groups and um, get volunteers to schools or get um, I don't know there's only something that we can do and it's an it, it will be a wonderful thing to get all together and bring on the table and brainstorm about about ideas that we can have to try to get the children. Right, to, to well, closer to nature. In I'm sorry, my English may be uh, a little bit uh, difficult, but I'm I'm I thinking I'm, I'm thinking about your question. It's so broad. It is, but like you know, the latest, uh, the fashion, the the food fashion is like farm to table. Okay, yes. that's mm-hmm. that's that's a big deal now. Mm-hmm. Well, you had that growing up your whole life in France. Yes, I do, and plus also. This is another thing at the table is that we were, um, I do remember, especially on Sunday, you have the family coming and you stay at the table. And in France, even though I'm, I'm from, um, I was raised by, by farmers, 
um, you you don't leave the table unless uh, they tell you that you can too. Exactly. And you sit and you have the food in front of you. You don't touch the food. You wait because it's it, it's the way it goes. You don't eat first. You 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 chat. You you talk to each other about what has happened during the week, or, and after you you eat. So I don't think that we we are losing that part of um, essential. Um, time where you the families get together exactly on sundays we used to go eat at at grandmom and grandpa's in the country and so all of my mom and her children and her brother and his children would go and there was a big table and a little table and i i never made it to the big table well they would have never had room for us at the big table but they kept saying you know by the time you're a teenager you can eat at the big table well the uh the grown-ups would have to leave to make room for us. But there was the whole preparation in the morning, and my, my grandmother had a, a, a deep freeze, you know. She had a freezer, a chest-high freezer. And she always made a, a chocolate cake with a cook frosting. And you, you couldn't just, like, pass your finger through the frosting and, and take a taste because it was hard, kind of like budge. So we'd break off a little piece and we'd turn it to the back wall and somebody else would break off a little piece and they'd turn it to the back wall. Well, by the time they cut the cake a lot, half the icing was gone that was against the wall. <laughs> but nobody ever fussed. Nobody said who did this because everybody that could did. And there was something about the whole, the whole ritual of that. And I don't know what kind of, fertilizer or any kind of uh, weed killer Grapap may have used on his form, but everything on the table he grew. And and my grandmother had a huge pantry full of canned goods. And so we grew up like that, and, and our food was, was not unhealthy. We had, even if you had rice and gravy at every meal, you didn't have enough meat to fill up on meat, but you had a piece of meat, you had enough rice, you had salad fresh from the garden with whatever was in season, and there was seasons, and then you had corn or makshu that grandmom had put up or or beans that they had grown and snap beans that they grew. So we didn't do a whole lot at the grocery store growing up. And then more at more in, in my own home, but even at home in Scott, we had grandmom's milk, we didn't buy milk, and and but I, I don't I don't know I, I want to write about my childhood sometimes just so that at least I can remember it because it's not just we can't mourn what doesn't exist anymore but we can remember it because I can't give that to my grandchildren now like it's just not there but I could introduce them to to the concept and 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 let them understand that sitting at a table in community is healing. Yes, it that. is. And and you you just explain about how your um, your grandpa was um, bringing food to the table was yeah. fresh food and you, food that you you brought that you didn't buy. We had farm to table. We had farm to table every time we sat, sat is, at the table. This is part of the healing. 
Yeah. Because why not? We are eating so much. I mean, people are eating processed food, and processed food is just, it's poison. Right. Um, I won't, I mean, I know you didn't ask me a question, but I want to, no, that's fine. <laughs> to, to tell you about, because you make me think about something. And when I used to say that to my students in class, they were looking at me like I am an alien. My parents never had a car. Mm -hmm. So my dad was having a bike, but uh, later he, he had a motorcycle, but we were four children, so six, you know, he was riding <laughs> his motorcycle to go to, to work when he, when he needed it. Um, I mean, to go to work, but otherwise, or to bring my mom. But uh, so we always walked and we stayed just in the farm. Um, so, and we never had a car. Therefore, the first I do remember when I was young, the first grocery store was almost five miles away because we, we didn't have in my community, we didn't have grocery store, we didn't need. Um, the milkman was delivering the milk, mm -hmm. the cheese, right. the meat. We were eating meat maybe twice a week. Most of the time it was once a week, which was on Sunday. My mom was making a big pot, pork roast and, or whatever beef. And that meat um, lasted for a couple of, couple of, uh, of days. And she, with the meat, she made an ashi parmentier, which you mix with uh, mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. And so... Now we are eating meat maybe twice. People are eating meat, not me, because I don't, I don't eat too much meat. But <laughs> uh, most of, of, of the people find the need to eat meat every day or sometimes twice a day or three times a day. We don't need that much. Right. And plus all, all, the, um, all the animals now are, are full of antibiotics and which is and hormones really, and hormones and yeah. not good for you it's also part of the healing process and and part of that healing process also is to to grow your own food and when you have people delivering the, the food to you it's just communicating with your neighbor with um, the person who is in front of you and it's 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 part of the healing process as well communicating i mean making eye contact um uh, using touch, all um, using all your five senses, which w we don't anymore. When you go to hospital, and it, uh, I, I feel bad for most people because when you go to the hospital or any, any kind of um, you visit any kind of doctors, it's a nightmare. For me, yeah. I feel it's a nightmare. It's it's it is it can be scary and it can be intimidating. But the people that deliver healthcare want to do as much as they can. The whole system is kind of limiting everybody. So what yes, can I'm we bring? Mm -hmm. What can we bring to build a bridge between the healers and the doctors? And how can we educate people about form to table when there's no more forms like there used to be? We have big forms. We have like business and big farm. Farming is a business. And, and we, my grandfather had, a couple of turkeys and some chickens, and he had pigs and cows and two donkeys. Their name was, well, they were mules, not donkeys. Their name was Bob and Julien. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, 
you have you have to buy, if you buy food and you buy pork, we used to get half a calf. You know, when he'd kill a cow, we would get some meat. And then when I was married, I'd buy half a calf from someone, and and we'd have the calf slaughtered from people we knew who raised them. But that is not as readily available. So I, I guess, you know, we can just encourage community to continue and work towards what we know to be healthy. Because some of what I see, people arguing, like, oh, no, I can't eat that, or you shouldn't eat that, or you should do this, or you shouldn't do that. And, and I think we, we were naturally living a healthy way. And modernization has, I don't know, but something's shifted in my lifetime. I think we need to be in that reverse process now. And I, I do believe a lot of community know that. And our community start to um, to think about it and to work on it. You have the Gautreau Farm here in Lafayette. Exactly. So, um, And there are community many gardens. Others. You can buy a share yes. in community gardens. Yes, yeah, so we are working towards that, that new... Uh, if I will say new revolution, new because going backwards, yeah. going backwards, <laughs> uh, backwards uh, revolution, and we need to, because in every way, it's even even with the water, um, we need we need water, and and our water supplies is gonna it's gonna get scarce more and more. So um, we need to find different ways using solar panels and. W- there is many ways that we should think about, and it's part of that healing we talk about. I think so. Healing is 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 the it's a broad subject, and we need to um, think about every aspect of our life to heal. And and also we need to think about the choices we make will be there for those who come after us. Yes, a new generation. Of so course. if we're going to make these choices, then we want to create, even if, we meet, even if it means we are inconvenienced, sometimes we need to be inconvenienced to make sure that the next generation has something. And I think that part of what we understand is, is that a lot of people will not be inconvenienced. And I think if just we start with that concept, because because there are people coming after us, our children and our grandchildren and the next generation. So if we make decisions to to respect the natural resources and to understand that natural resources are actually limited and and allow individual people to have better health because of the decisions we make. That that's a kind of a new way of thinking. It's kind of thinking not just about corporate and business. It's a way of thinking about community and health. Of course, yes, and um, yes. Our um, our resources are will diminish um, and starting to diminish more and more. So we need we need to develop more um, other ways. Right, and. And and we can have resources in our own yards. I do not have a garden. I did once. I wasn't real good at it. But I do have the yard. I'm going to plant something else in my yard. But if we start understanding that we can create our own resources in our own yards and, and not just have flowers 
And that's one way like that we could learn that, that, um, that Michelle Obama has made an effort to teach us about gardening and like the victory gardens after the war. So even just that, bringing that awareness could be helpful, huh? Yes, teaching the kids will be great. They have time and sometimes instead of uh, spending uh, an hour, 45 minutes, an hour every morning, um, when the, the bus dropped them in front of the school, they don't know what to do and... I think it will be so great for them to have um they they have the the space to have a garden to take care of wow that's true and i I offer that um i d most i mean more than once at different schools just about budget or some schools are doing it now i see I see that you can see in the playground they have yeah. mm-hmm. they have some things planted and yeah, I think that's wonderful. So it's a great concept because it's it's a way for the kids to be busy while they are taking care of the crops. It's like taking care of animals. They don't think about um, bullying somebody else or um, and it's picking hands on people. On. As they nurture that, they nurture themselves. Yes. Wow. Of course. Well, Agnes, and they learn. Agnes, I want to thank you. Bien merci for having You're come welcome. and visited with me. Mon plaisir. I'm glad you fell in love with all of Acadiana and that you still live here. Oh, yeah, I do. I still fall in love all the time about everything that I do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Le Cadeau Podcast. I'm your host, Becca Begno. Matt Roberts produced the show. Thanks to AOC Community Media for the use of their facilities. For information about AOC, you can visit aocinc.org. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup.